I'm Mallory Rubin. And I'm Van Lathan. Check out the Ringerverse podcast from The Ringer for all things superhero movies, nerd culture, and fandom entertainment. We have instant reviews and fun takes on all the latest news and more available now on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast in Ring RC. I'm Misa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm right, thanks, man. How are you? Very, very, very well indeed. You recovered from our day out on Saturday. Big day out, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that is great. That is really nice. Uh, for those who don't know, Moose and I went to Wolfsburg on Saturday for the second leg of the Champions League against Barcelona. It was a great day. It was absolutely lovely, yeah. Really enjoyed it. Great vibe, great atmosphere. About, yeah, we're going to talk about that in a little bit. First of all, we hope everyone's staying safe, staying well. Obviously, getting vaccinated if you can, getting that booster if you can. Do we have to? Do we have to keep saying that? I think so. I hope everyone who's got access to it and who can take it um, has taken it. I hope so. Just because I want everyone to be, you know, stay well. Yeah, we do want everyone to stay well. Yeah. Eid Mubarak to everyone celebrating today. Yes, yes. Uh, we hope everyone who has been fasting over the last month enjoys a happy and healthy Eid. Couple of other bits of admin. There'll be some pieces going up on the ringer.com forward slash soccer this week. There's Champions League second legs, men's Champions League second legs this week as well. You might have a few stadios this week. We might record after each Champions League night and then Friday morning after the Europa League and Conference League stuff. There's a lot of huge football this week. Yeah, there's no righty's house as well. So we thought maybe we'll we'll hit you with a few more stadios because no one wants it. They're gonna get it. (laughs) But yeah, other than that. If you do listen to us on a podcast app that allows you to rate and review, please do so. It'd be very kind. And Stadio Outro's playlist on Spotify. All the music we play on each episode, newest ones at the top. Just search for Stadio Outros. So today, we're going to talk about the Women's Champions League second legs. Trabs on Spore winning their first league title in 38 years. Carlo Ancelotti becoming the first manager to win the league in all top five European leagues. Real Madrid clinched the title. We'll do a quick kind of like roundup of Premier League and the Bundesliga. I reckon that might do us for today. Yeah, yeah. So let's get into it after this. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of 
the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. All right, man. So the big showdown will be in Turin. The most narrative-y. Narrative? Narrative. 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 Of Champions League finals. Peak narrative. It will be Barcelona against Lyon in Turin for the Women's Champions League final. Barcelona progressing despite a 2-0 defeat to Wolfsburg, which we were at, as we mentioned, and we will talk about. And Leon going through after seeing off PSG in the second leg in the Parc de Prince. 2-1, score in the night. 5-3 on aggregate. Both ties 5-3 on aggregate, which I thought was just nice. Just a nice symmetry. Yep. Leon returning to the first champion, their first Champions League final since they last won the competition two years ago. Barcelona knocked them off their perch last year. And how? We were at Wolfsburg on Saturday. It took place in the Volkswagen Arena the main stadium and it was a record domestic attendance for a women's German football game yep. uh, 22,000 were there in Paris the same 43,255 and also over the weekend record attendances for the women's national league in England Oh, Newcastle United had 22,134 in the first women's game at St. James's Park. Bear in mind, this was a day after the men's team played there against Liverpool as well. Absolutely unbelievable. That's incredible. So we were at Wolfsburg. They won 2-0. Two great goals, actually. And to be honest, mm, they could have done more. This was the first time that Barcelona haven't won a game. Not even lost a game. Haven't won a game. This season. Was in, in 45 matches, I think. They won 44 straight before this 44 one. straight. Yeah. Wow. And Jill Rod mentioned it after the game when she was interviewed. She scored a great goal, actually, Jill Rod. And she said, that first leg, we didn't play like ourselves. That's the problem for Wolfsburg. Much of it was lost in that first leg, the 5-1 in Camp Nou, which you can understand with over 90,000 people there, it could be quite an over, overwhelming experience. But Wolfsburg are a better football team than they showed themselves to be in the first leg. I don't, I you know, I, this, this, this 90,000 crowd thing, do you know what? I, I, I'm going to be a bit harsh. I don't buy it. Do you know why? That can't alone be the reason. Because they have players in that squad who've played in front of huge crowds, players who played at World Cups. They've got huge, I think it was more the absences. The absence of Oberdorf was big for sure. Yeah, it's a massive. And I think- and Eva Payor being rushed back from injury. Well, not maybe rushed back, but mm. returning from injury sooner than most people thought she would do. Dare I say it as well, because like we saw nerves in the second leg, actually. Yeah. We saw nerves in the second leg. So I almost wonder if it wasn't so much Barcelona, it was the occasion itself, like, you know, a Champions League semi and maybe Wolfsburg- if I'm honest with you, I don't know if they fully owned it. When I saw them in the first leg, I thought to myself, this is a team that's playing as if it's still lucky to be here. It's not playing with the swagger. You know, like there's a turning point in Wolfsburg season we talked about many times in, in the Champions League group stages, I think against Chelsea, when Chelsea kind of imploded and Wolfsburg were like, hang on a minute. And actually Chelsea, you know, Wolfsburg's form in the league and in the Champions League just went upwards at that point. Mm. This was the first time, the first leg, we'll get, you know, we'll brush over this. The first leg, the 5-1 loss was the first time I'd seen 
the early season Wolfsburg. We mentioned before Obidor's absence for two legs. I think that's absolutely huge for them. I think, yeah, that, I think this doesn't happen. I don't think they lose like this in the first leg if Oberdorf's there. And the impressive thing about this game was once they realised where they could make gains, once Sven Yehuth started taking a time in possession and playing like she's played all year, once they started releasing Jon Stottir down the flanks, they just could not cope. Actually, the Barca coach after the game was interesting. He was like, first half, we didn't re- they didn't really press us much. And we were like, okay, fine. So the second leg, we kind of like, not took it easy, but didn't think they'd come at us. And they just, they were ferocious after the break. And they stepped up in that period. And, you know, there's a lot to be said. Like Barca did have a 5-1 lead. So there was an element of maybe, yeah. maybe playing. They were a little bit more passive. Yeah, than to be fair, maybe they yeah. were playing in slightly, I wouldn't say second gear, but maybe playing in third gear, I would say. But they did this last season yeah. when they um, beat Man City in the first leg 3-0 and then just kind of chilled in the second. Right. Yeah, and that's under, it's understandable. You've got a four-goal yeah. lead. But what I would say was from about 25 minutes in, it felt like Wolfsburg started putting the heat on them in interesting areas. Yeah, because right at the beginning, yeah. Wolfsburg just looked terrified. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there yeah. was, there was that, that first, it, was a, it came within the, f- the first 90 seconds where Cross came in and then Caroline Graham Hansen, obviously former Wolfsburg player, mm. just sent everyone scrambling yes. in their own box. But then after that, Wolfsburg broke through that Barcelona midfield and you could see them kind of think, oh shit, actually, we've got the players to hurt them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they did that thing where they recycled possession out wide and Pai, I think it was Pai, was it Pyor had the header? Or was it Vasmut? I can't remember which player had the header, but it was, they could have scored from it basically. And yeah. that was within the first couple of minutes. But then it, it didn't, it took Wolfsburg until, I think Jill Rod's shot, I think it was just after half an hour was the first shot they had on target. Yeah, the one that kind of like set the tone. Yeah, and then uh, just after half time, Tobia Vasmut hit that shot into the bottom corner that was checked for VAR and given, and then Jill Rod made it too. And they, they, they pushed Barca. They could have had another, a, a little bit more composure, especially with that final ball. Mm. And they could have put Barca under genuine pressure. I think it would have been extremely difficult to overturn that deficit. But you did see Barca starting to look a bit nervy, actually, when that second one went in. Yeah. Because, and I think this is the problem quite often with Barca. And we've talked about this as well with Leon in the past, that it's almost like teams go out there expecting to play 12 or 13 players because they are so good that this fear kicks in when you have, whenever you get the ball and you're almost expecting to be beaten. And imagine playing a side in the second, league of, in the second leg of Champions League semi-final that has won 44 straight games against some very, very good teams. Mm. The psychological effect going into that must be huge. If teams disrespect Barca mm. a little bit more than they do, you see Barca get shifted out of their rhythm. There's two key problems. You've mentioned this and you're absolutely right. And there were two areas where I saw this being a problem and where Wolfsburg became calmer as the game went on. The first one was in front of their own area. So there was one mm. point where a Wolfsburg player gets the ball. I think it was Svenja who, and she goes across the top of her box and she is like, she suddenly realised that she's like running square across the face of her own box and that she's being pressed. Mm. Now she had passing options, but there was almost like, do I release it here? And like it get like intercepted or do I pass or do I hold on to it and get pressed out of possession? You could see like the decision making. Then she basically played like not the best pass, but it was okay and got out of trouble. And the next moment I saw was when Wolfsburg were attacking and it was a sign of a team that's not expecting to get regular counter-attacking opportunities. Mm. And they were snatching at their decision making. And a couple of times in the first half, they break really, really well and there's a pass on and they don't make it and the gap closes. And that is a thing that after about half an hour, they really calmed down. I'm like, hang on a minute we can actually get through this high line quite regularly. And I would say that the main player that was uh, standing between them and I think 
overrunning that was was Bon Matty. Actually, I thought Bon Matty had a brilliant first half. Again, brilliant. Um, retaining possession mm-hmm. and tempo. She was player of the game. I thought she was excellent. Um, and she kept her level, actually. Patelis was slightly quiet, I have to say. Wolfsburg showed, you know, we said before that this was the matchup that we thought could maybe hurt Barcelona the most and ask the most questions. And, you know, I think we both stand by that, really. It was always going to be a tough ask from Wolfsburg, but I think one of the the great things about this, there was a real sense of occasion there, mm. you know, much like in the Parc de France and much like St. James's Park this weekend. Record attendances broken all the way throughout the season around multiple leagues, multiple competitions. And you could actually feel that in the stadium. And this is why I think this kind of visibility is so important mm. because you had a load of really young girls in that stadium who were watching women playing in the Volkswagen arena in a Champions League semi-final, and it was loud in there. We grew up completely normalised to seeing men playing in sellout stadiums on TV, Mm. right? Young girls haven't had that. The women who are playing Champions League now didn't have that. Mm. They didn't have that. Even Jill Rod said on Wrighty's House that playing in front of over 90,000 people in Camp Nou came probably sooner than even she thought. She didn't really think that she would get to do that in her career. And this is why this kind of stuff is so important. Yeah. I would just recommend anyone who has the opportunity to go to these games, go. Tickets are so often way more affordable. The atmosphere is, without sounding patronising, but it's usually more wholesome. And it's just, a, you, you really get the sense that you're kind of being a part of something that is genuinely really important. Yeah, and also I would say as well, you're seeing teams that are going to be regarded in history. Mm. Like we're very, very fortunate to have these particular teams. Like, you know, some, some years, you know, like you look at the Champions League, you go through cycles, you see it in the men's game. There's actually some years, to be honest, where the Champions League winners aren't vintage, no. where they win and you're like, actually, these aren't teaching us anything about football, not to name names, but there are some clubs, they win titles and you're like, actually, they haven't taught us anything new about football. The teams currently winning and getting to the final are like all-time great sides. And if you can get to watch them live, you will absolutely not regret it. No, yeah, sorry. absolutely. Please get yourselves down if you can. Quick shout about Wolfsburg. We got to finally meet in person the great the Jasmina great. Schreimler. That was so lovely, her and her family. And her mum and her brother. Yeah, it was such a joy. Absolute joy. Shouts to the Schreimler family. What a great writer. She was doing the, was it radio she was doing? Yeah, she was doing radio yeah. commentary for that. The Wolfsburg Don. Love her work. Yeah, for those who don't follow Jasmina, at Jazz Schweimler on Twitter. She's a great follow yeah. on German women's football specifically, but just women's football in general. Yeah, one of the best. In Paris, there was an amazing Ada Hagerberg moment. That whole, everything about that moment is amazing, actually. 14 minutes in, Ada Hagerberg with an unbelievable header. If you see the depth on that, like the depth on that cross, the execution oh of that, oh this God. cross travels from a different postcode almost. Yeah, it's a deep, deep cross. And the angle she gets back and across the keeper is, is unreal, but that's not even the best part of this, is it? Because you're going to give us the... <laughs> Hagerberg does one of the most like she first she does the cupping the ear and then she bangs the, the Leon badge and does the whole like this is my house like this is my pitch kind of big main character celebration energy. Yeah, pointing yeah. <laughs> I love angry Ada Hagerberg when she's playing angry she is like I mean she's a problem anyway but she's also she had this huge injury Ada Hagerberg and we were talking about this on the way home with shouts to Joel storm warnings on Twitter yes yes Stadio listener that we bumped into and got the train back and we were talking about this on the way home about how 
Because of the increased visibility over the last couple of years of the women's game, it's coincided at a time where Hagerberg has had this huge injury. Mm. And she's now come back this season, started scoring goals, and she started to hit full fitness and full ferocity at a point where she's going into the Champions League final. You know, and Lyon are top of the league as well in France. They could win the league. They could win the Champions League because we haven't seen these two, Barcelona and Lyon, face up against each other in their current guises. So it's a little bit of an unknown. It is, in very a way. much so, yeah. But she looks she's like she is, she's on a mission and she's back. And she is a, I, I constantly say this, this is like my Brazil story, but the Champions League final 2019, Lyon against Barcelona, is Ada Hagerberg is one of the, put in one of the most dominant performances I've ever seen from a single player on a football pitch in person. This is the thing about Lyon, isn't it? Like they are, I know we don't like to use you know, pop culture analogies on this podcast. But it reminds me of the bit when Alfred said, he, when he, when he saw, first saw Bane fighting and he said, I see the League of Shadows resurgent. And I'm like, <laughs> I really feel like Leon. I feel like they fell out of, not popular consciousness for a while, but I feel like people, I certainly was like, you know, are they in the, is, there, is there a kind of period of like relative decline where other teams are now assuming, and not just Barcelona, maybe one or two other teams are kind of nudging their way ahead of Leon in that pecking order. They are absolutely back, not just in the final, but in, in that style. Mm. Well, I wrote the piece after the tra- Champions League, their last Champions League win a yeah, couple yeah. of years ago for the ringer. About the shift. When they won the five straight and it was just like, this might be the last one. Basically. And obviously Barcelona then won it the following year. If Leon beat Barcelona in this final, this is going to shift the top of women's football off its axis ever so slightly. Again, because yeah. everything has been geared up for Barcelona to be the next dynastic team. And that's what makes this final so intriguing. Yep. Uh, the finals in Turin, as, as you said, Leon, Barcelona or Barcelona, Leon. And that is truly exciting, actually. I can't wait, man. It's going to be amazing. Very quickly in the Women's Super League, it's as you were at the top, although Arsenal beat Villa 7-0 and Chelsea scraped through against Birmingham City 1-0, which means that Arsenal have shifted to a better goal difference now. Uh, plus 50 is their goal difference over Chelsea's plus 49. They're four points behind Chelsea with a game in hand. There's the North London derby this Wednesday. We'll talk about that on Stadio. So if they win that, they're a point behind heading into the final game. And it just gives Chelsea a little less wiggle room. It asks the question, definitely. It definitely asks the question. I mean, I still think they'll, they've got enough to come through and win that league, but um, rather intriguing. Elsewhere, there were absolute scenes in the Women's Championship, which we just have to talk about quickly. Yes, yes. So Coventry United were deducted 10 points early on in the season. They were bottom of the table, minus four points, 10 points behind Watford, who were above them in the table. And then in the 97th minute of their final game of the season against Watford, incredible. Molly Green pinged a free kick in. Ripped it, ripped it from like 40, what, 35, (laughs) 35 yards? Unbelievable. (laughs) A good, a, a solid 35 yards, solid. top left-hand corner, won the game for Coventry United, sent Watford down, kept Coventry United in the Women's Championship, which is unbelievable. The celebrations, the scenes, you know, the astonishing about this one was, you know, like, you know, there are free kicks that are in the moment they're struck. Oh my God. Who's that commentator who said, it's hit and it stays hit. That one stayed hit. That, interstell- that was an interstellar object that broke free of all like gravity. It's like that. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. But yeah, what a weekend for women's football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very much so. Let's take a quick break and we're going to come back with some other stuff. Let's do it. 
This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Just before we move on, for those who haven't seen it, football super agent Mina Raiola sadly passed away on Saturday morning. His family announced he was only 54 years old. No age at all. Was one of the most influential people in world football, yeah. if you think yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah. Erling Haaland, Paul Pogba, Matthias De Ligt. Pavel Nedved back in the day. Uh, Zlatan. When I saw the news um, of his passing, I had a couple of thoughts. And the first was, this person absolutely went all the way in for his mm. players. The other thing I was also like, he really backed them. Like there's a, there's a few mm. moves that Ryder players made that didn't work out, but they were like big moves. And it was more like, he'd put you on the biggest stages and be like, look, I trust you to deliver. And if I have any sort of, if there's any sadness about some of the Ryola transfers, it was like the kind of platforms he gave to those players, like you know, the Mkhitaryan transfer at United, obviously in Pogba. There, there are ones where I was like, I really hope this works because you saw from the way that his uh, clients talked about him that they felt this person has my, my best interests. And that, that's the thing, you know, you don't often hear different players of different approaches, but he was definitely someone that players came out and were like, this person's got my interest. You know, we know what football, we know how tough that world can be. And we know mm-hmm. that you need people who are tough to have your spot. Um, obviously extremely a divisive figure, but also a figure who did something new, to be honest. He looked after his players, man. Yeah, he did, he did. Yeah. So yeah, thoughts with his friends, family, loved ones. Very sad news. Shall we move on to Spain? Let's do it. For all the talk this weekend of grumpy ex-player pundits saying, oh, they celebrated like they won the league. (laughs) Oh, that's Someone who celebrated like they won the league was Carlo Ancelotti in sunglasses and with a cigar sticking out of his mouth. Don Ancelotti is one of my favourite Ancelotti's. Don Carlo became the first manager to win the league title in each of the top five European leagues. He won Serie A with Milan, Liga with PSG. He won the Bundesliga with Bayern Munich. He won the Premier League with Chelsea. And he's now won La Liga with Real Madrid, which eluded him in his first stint, despite bringing them to La Decima. They kind of cruised it in the end. They did. I remember when we were talking about La Liga at the beginning of the season, we were a little bit worried about the state of the Liga as a whole. I think rightly so as well, because there were a lot of clubs that were in a little bit of a transition or looked like they were about to step into a transition. Mm. Coming off the back of the Atleti title win last season, I reiterated this point a couple of weeks ago and I reiterate it again. And this is, I think, to probably enhance what Real Madrid have done this season. I think Atleti had the best squad in terms of numbers and depth to retain La Liga this season. On paper at the beginning of the season, Real Madrid had the best 11 when everyone was fit. That goes to show how good an achievement that actually is this season. Because yes, they're still Real Madrid. And yes, they obviously still have a huge advantage financially over quite a number of teams in La Liga. But you've seen how poorly Barcelona have managed that. You've seen how Atleti have underperformed this season. And Real Madrid just, they just kept it moving. They kept it moving all season. And And I was thinking about this. That's the way that I would explain Carlo Ancelotti's management style. We just keep it moving. Absolutely. You I know, think he's managed it really well this season. Because if you think about it, can you remember a huge amount of drama coming out of Real Madrid this season? 
Can you remember a huge amount of drama coming out of any Ancelotti dressing room? This is the thing. This is the thing that makes him so special. Look, this man has won three Champions Leagues. Alongside Sedan, alongside Zidane, like he's won three. And one of the things that's so impressive about him is he has no regard for apparent seniority. He had Aiden Hazard in his dressing room, Isco, Gareth Bale, and Asensio. And he overlooked them all at key points of the season to bring in players like Rodrigo and give them roles. He was unafraid to make huge subs early in the game at halftime. Big changes, not just for injury, but because of tactical reasons. He's unafraid to be like, you're out, you're in. The use of Kamavinga, understanding that Kamavinga can't necessarily control games from the very start consistently, bring him in for the last 20 minutes, half an hour, but also getting him to buy into that. Mm. This is really, really impressive. Like everyone, and, and Nacho as well, Nacho contributing key minutes from the bench. And Lucas Vasquez is a right back. We saw that under Zidane, but just getting everyone to buy into the Madrid ethos. And there is a Madrid ethos. There is an ethos of a kind of, it's a weird thing because they're like a very, Madrid are a strange one because they're an absolute sort of white collar aristocratic club almost, but they really pride themselves on this work ethic, sort of overalls. We don't care how it looks. We get the thing done. Madrid, and I'm not trying to, this is not a disrespectful thing. It's more like the aesthetics of this aren't that important. What's important is, again, the Ancelotti thing, we keep it moving. So this league title, I they kind of love the fact that they ground it out. I think they love the fact that they bit back a bit. Like the, the, the Courtois quote about some people, when they won the Classico, thought that was the league title, but there was still football to play. Yep. When, you, when you hear quotes like that, you're like, there's so much needle in this Madrid dressing room and there's a lot of pride and there's, I'll say this, I could not accuse them the last two seasons of complacency. Like for them, to, they should never have pushed Atleti as close as they did. The state of transition they were in considering. Last year? Yeah, last year they shouldn't have. They could do the double. They could easily do the league and Champions League double. Which I think this is, this is what gives it an extra, an extra bit of gloss. They've won La Liga with games to spare. Mm. It's not really been in any doubt for a long while. Yeah, yeah. And yet they're in the Champions League semi-final and there's a, only a goal in it and they could overturn that deficit and progress to the Champions League final. I genuinely think Ancelotti must come up as one of the most beloved managers. When people talk about him in conversation, his name must come up all the time. I don't think many people would have said at the beginning of the season, Real Madrid would have the, the league wrapped up with a few games to go and be in with a shout of making it to the Champions League final ahead of the second leg. Do you know this as well, what's really striking? If someone had said that to you at the beginning of the season, I don't think a lot of people would have thought. And what's got me about that as well is key players all playing to their potential. Mm. That's the thing. He has absolutely maximised. Like when you saw, you know, Rodrigo, it was quite fitting to have Rodrigo coming in and scoring in the first couple against Espanyol to like take, you know, to seal the win, uh, the league win. And obviously, you know, the rise of Vinicius and Rodrigo started under Zidane, but the way that Ancelotti just continued that and created even better chemistry as time's gone on, it's just... You know, there were times, and this is not to knock Zidane too much, there were just times under Zidane, and I know it was transitional squad, where we felt like the team was almost different segments. Whereas I look at this team and feel like it's coherent. The team has just evolved. There's something quite old school about that, isn't there? Just going into a dressing room, looking at all the parts and assembling them and maximising them. Yeah, Ancelotti is essentially like the granddad who can look after all eight grandkids in one day and they are all immaculately behaved, but they actually still have a bit of fun. The parents and the uncles and aunties and stuff are in the kitchen doing Christmas dinner or whatever. Yeah. And they come back in the lounge and they're like, how has Grandpa Carlo got them all so chill? Yeah. That's what he's like. That's, exactly, that's his energy. That's exactly it. Perfect. And he's just, he's amazing. We've, we've always been massive fans of Carlo Ancelotti. I know that a lot of people will look at and say, well, you know, 
you won the league with Bayern, cool. Oh, you won the league with PSG, awesome. But some managers haven't. And to do it everywhere, especially if you think back to those early days when he was Juve manager and the stick that he got in Italy after that, his career has been laced with an obscene amount of disrespect for someone who is so affable. You know, it's funny as well. There's a lot of talk about how the modern player, the modern player needs this treatment, that treatment. Like, hang on a minute. Ancelotti's of the generation of, you know, he's of a different generation and he's just not had a problem with handling players. Him blowing his tea after Everton scored a really important goal while everyone is losing their fucking mind. <laughs> the casual look to the, the assistant referee to see if it was offside and just, he's more worried about cooling his tea down. I love him so it's much. Absolutely amazing, yeah. Can I just say the Ancelotti sacking by Chelsea is still one of the most existential sackings I've ever seen. It's just like, we just feel Don't, we should do this. because Chelsea fans will come for you. <laughs> um, so congrats to Real Madrid. Congrats to Carlo. Yes. On the other side of Madrid, though, things are not happy. They are not. Atletico Madrid lost to Athletic Club. Inaki Williams masterclass. From Inaki. I think it was our first one to have own goal. I think they gave it to in the end. Oh, did they? I think so in the end. Yeah, the deflection. Oh, but yeah, the second was all his. A Penenka over Oblak is so disrespectful. Yeah, although a kind of driven Penenka. It's a bit... It's, come, wasn't, it's disrespectful though. Some quotes from Oblak after the game. If only we knew where the problem is and then we could resolve it. I don't understand why in the dressing room everything is perfect. But then we come out and in the fifth minute we have two yellows. It's difficult. I'll tell you why, Jan. Because you're fucking Atleti. Oh, no. That's why. <laughs> the suffering. That's why. But that's interesting that he says that um, the dressing room is a happy place. I mean... Nobody said this before about, about um, Simeone having like a number two, like when Ferguson got one. I really mm. think that's... Yeah, I mean, having uh, Nelson Vivas as your number two, can't, I, it doesn't strike me as the most calming is he, choice. Right, right. I just, I just think... You know what I mean? I just think, I mean... This is, a, this is a man who ripped his own shirt off, buttons and all, and took it off whilst managing in Argentina, you know, because <laughs> whilst getting sent off. Like, this guy is not, you know, he isn't... Not the ambassador of chill. He's not. No, no, he's not. Do you know what I mean about the number two for Simeone? I mean, I doubt he'll ever do it. And I'm not sure that he'll do that before he leaves. But it just, I feel like it needs that, that second pair of eyes there. Get Diego Costa in. Oh, come on. You, there you are. Oh, let's have more chill. Oh, let's do Ryan. He's a changed man. There was a couple of other quotes from Yano Black, which I thought were really interesting. I can't find the answers to what is happening. It's something that since I've been here hasn't happened. My colleagues have desire, personality, but I don't know why that doesn't show on the pitch sometimes. I don't know what's happening. Feels ominous. We're recording this ahead of Getafe against Real Betis. If Betis win that, they're a point behind Atleti with four games to go for the final Champions League spot. Atleti have to be extremely careful. They do. Because they are running the risk of not making Champions League this season. They're slipping and the performances have not been impressive. They've been uneven, so yeah. Uh, Before we move on, we have to give a massive shout out to Trabzonspor, who won their first Turkish league title. 38 years. For 38 years. And the scenes there were absolutely incredible. I don't know if any of you follow Eli Menjim on Instagram, but he was there. Oh, wow. Okay. And, and he was on the pitch at the end of the game and filming. And, he, and I, I DM'd him in response to one of them just being like, this is unbelievable. And he said, dude, it was so wild everywhere that I had to finally stop filming at like 5 a.m. One of the best, yeah, Ellie's one of the best uh, sports documentary makers anywhere. Um, best doing it, so. Yeah, he's a Don. Shouts to Ellie. Um, so they sealed it with a two-all draw at home to Antalya Spore. The best thing about this, I thought, was that the fans kind of were a bit too keen. <laughs> well, the pitch invasion. They, 
<laughs> they came on the pitch and the ref was just like, no, 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 we're not finished. <laughs> so they all had to just like scatter again. The game was completed shortly after and then everyone was just... It was incredible to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was amazing. Like, years. The dancing from fans on the pitch. Do you know what was really interesting as well? Just in various parts of Germany, because obviously Germany has such a huge Turkish population mm. here. There were celebrations everywhere. There was fireworks going off in various German cities. <laughs> there were like people out on the streets, like with uh, traps on sport flags. There was a tweet actually about a particular city, wasn't it? There was a tweet about that. And then someone said, oh, it looks like traps on sport won the league then. And it was like- some, Was it I Cologne? I think it was Cologne. Was it Cologne? I think, I think that, it was Archie, Archie were in touch that, that with that Cologne sense, thing. Yeah. An amazing, an amazing achievement for them and an amazing occasion. I was reading some stuff about how the population of the city had like <laughs> just almost like tripled because fans from all oh, over wow. the province kind of came into the city and they'd set up big screens in their old stadium, which is like a public park. And everywhere after the game, there was like fireworks, pyro going off everywhere and flares. And there was, um, it just basically was turned into this big carnival. It, it looks like one of the most hype league titles I think I've seen in a very long time. Like, you know, there are particular moments, you talked about this before, like when Cleveland won the NBA title and that was a particularly special victory or when Philadelphia won the, the Super Bowl. There's certain victories for a city that mean more. You know I mean? Mm. And this, this is going to be on the list of like, in terms of celebrations I've seen, this is definitely up there with a trophy that really um, has, a, has a wider significance. So yeah, many congratulations to them. They've still got a pop at the Turkish uh, League and Cup double. They do. Uh, it's really interesting because the, they, they were the first side, Trabzon Sport, for those who don't know, who broke the kind of Istanbul monopoly on the league title when they won it back in... Late 70s? 76. Late, and then that, like, they went on this like, run after that of like, dominating the mm. league and then after 1984, haven't won it since. So it's just amazing, man. Who knows? What, imagine if it kicks off like a... A dynasty. Yeah. Who knows? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let's quickly go to the Premier League because there were big wins down the bottom of the table. First of all, from one vibey manager to another one, Roy Hodgson in sunglasses. <laughs> Such a mood. They lost 2-1 to Burnley. This Burnley side are on an absolute tear. Three straight wins and then a draw against West Ham. They've got Villa at home next. They are now level on points with Leeds, who have been dragged back down into that relegation battle after their defeat to Man City. Massive win for Burnley. And then you're looking at Everton after that and you're thinking, they have to win against Chelsea. Yeah. And they did. Thanks to a Richarlison goal. And there was a really good piece that Jonathan Liu wrote for The Guardian about Everton, how Goodison is going to be super important for them if they're going to stay up. And on Sunday, you saw a prime example of why. The atmosphere at Goodison's always been one of the, you know, one of the things that's really made Everton a tough prospect. Uh, what I would say about this was, and this is no disrespect to Everton, Pickford was, was outstanding in goal for them. And who's just been- He really was. That save, really that impressive double, key points. the one that yeah. came off the post. Yeah. The thing is, he's smart enough to make saves. that We've seen him make, the Jorginho one we talk about many times. 
saving that penalty in the Euros. Like he's clever enough to make those adjustments. There's no surprise if he's done that on purpose. What I would say on on Chelsea, who again unimpressive. There was a stat that was put out about Mason Mount leading Chelsea in so many of these attacking categories, and I thought that's actually not as good a stat as people might think. Like Mason Mount shouldn't be leading Chelsea in assists and Premier League goals and like, I think, passing to final. He shouldn't be. And that's not disrespect to him. It's more like that's an overdependence. If you look at the array of attacking riches in the Chelsea squad and Mount is the lead in those categories, it's like there's so many Chelsea players who haven't played to the level that they themselves would have liked or who haven't played as many games as they would have liked and Tuchel mm. hasn't got that attack working really it's a tricky one for Chelsea because I still think they'll finish third but the gap is close and the run of form they're on is nowhere near as guaranteed as it was no I think as well do you know what can I be honest with you as well the team has not evolved obviously they're off the field issues with the ownership we've seen all that but on the field the team has not evolved like the signing of Lukaku that was meant to be a thing that took Chelsea to another level and it, it should have been Mm. It hasn't worked. There's some figuring out. There, there, there is defensively, the wide areas. Yeah. But um, an amazing win for Everton. Yes. Keeps it going, man. I mean, this this relegation fight for that for that last spot is, is oh God. People have suddenly decided they don't want to stay, they don't want to go down. They suddenly decided they don't want to go down. So let's see. Yeah. I mean, Watford look all but relegated. Yeah. Norwich, Norwich, Norwich were gone. Re- relegated on the weekend. I just want to give a, a, a shout out quickly for Brighton. Yes. Impressive win. That's the biggest, if I'm, I think it, I think it is, that's the biggest margin of defeat that Wolves, Wolves have suffered this season from anyone, which goes to show. What were the, how, what were the XG? Most important, what were the XG? 2.81 to 0.84. And that, the XG please, Graham Potter, more than anything. <laughs> that's three wins in their last five. The, obviously, the draw to Southampton and defeat to Man City, the, other, the, only, the only two they haven't won. You mentioned City, they beat Leeds 4-0. And a good win for Palace against Southampton and uh, Villa obviously beating Norwich, which sent Norwich down. And Liverpool beating Newcastle 1-0 on Saturday at St. James's, which is a good result for Liverpool because Newcastle is now, again, a really tough place to go to. Yeah. No quick shout, Hyunmin Son's absolute Goodness. worldie for Spurs. He can do that with either Holy foot. Shit. He can do that with either foot from that this distance. This guy is so He's good. unbelievable. He's unbelievable. I still think he's underrated. He is, he is, he is, he is, he is, he is underrated, he is. This man would light up any forward line in the world. Well, he, you know, and this is the, can I just say this about Spurs? I always felt Conte was, was catfishing us a little with that talk about the squad. Bentancourt just coming in and running things like, oh no. Two assists for Kulisevsky. Oh, they had a poor wind. I was like, what? No, really. Yeah. No, I've said this at the time and I was like, these are two elite players who've come in and not just come in. Like, you know, like Luis Diaz has come at Liverpool. The, mm. Arguably the only, the only fit on the same level, the two fits are, are Bentoncourt and Kulosevsky. Like the, and they, they say so often you can't make signings in that window and get them to come in and contribute. They've been absolutely pivotal. Uh, Kulosevsky is equal sixth on the assist, Premier League assist leaders this season. Brilliant. And he came in in January. He's brilliant. He's brilliant. Paul Pogba only on nine assists. And I think didn't six of those come in the first yeah, game? Yeah, like four. Yeah, yeah. Like four in one game. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Massive win for Spurs ahead of Arsenal. Obviously that, that race for the top four. Massive really win for Arsenal as well. My goodness. It was a big win for Arsenal. It was a, it was a, it was a tough watch though. It wasn't a great game. West Ham obviously falling again. Arsenal are really quite lucky at the moment in the sense of they're, they're, they're playing teams who, well not all teams, but 
they had the Chelsea game, like I said. Chelsea maybe slightly lacking intensity. West Ham in between the two legs of their Europa League semi-final. It's kind of the perfect time you want to play West Ham, really. And Arsenal did make it difficult. And they are under strength. They've got a few key players missing, Arsenal. But I also think Arsenal were pretty fortunate, actually, because there was that Ramsdale one on Jared Bowen. And this goes to something we've talked about a little bit before about just because you don't touch a player, it doesn't mean you don't impede them. If I was a West Ham fan, I'd be a little bit annoyed about that. But I don't know. It's one of those. It's, I think it would also take quite a brave ref to send a keeper off there mm. if there's no contact. I'm not entirely sure if it would have been completely correct, but I totally would have understood if something had happened to Ramsdale there. So I feel quite a lot of sympathy for West Ham fans who flagged that as a potential turning point. Yeah. I tweeted afterwards saying, you know, buckle up because if Arsenal are going to finish top four, they're going to have to do it with four games that are very similar like this. It's going to be a little bit like, you know, Clockwork Orange when it's just like... Yes. (laughs) No, you're going to watch this. You can't look away. (laughs) Very attritional, yeah. Anything else you want to touch on in the Premier League? No, I think we're all good. All good, yeah. Uh, As you were at the top of Serie A. Milan with a big win over Fiorentina. Yes. The way Fiorentina are playing. They left it late. Yeah, yeah. Rafa Leal with uh, a goal in the 82nd minute. Napoli have left it too late. They got a great win over Sassuolo 6-1, but unfortunately their goal gluts come a bit too late for their title chances, I fear. Mm. And Inter impressive over Udinese. Those, those teams have got a tough run in, actually, those couple. Actually, that's not... Um, it's by no means sealed. So yeah, Serie A, exciting. Yeah, it's tough for Venezia down the bottom. It looks like they're probably going to go down. They lost to Juve... But I was watching this game and I was figuring, I was like, why does this game look so weird to me? <laughs> but I figured out it's rare that you see Juve play at home so early. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. All right. Okay. So it was a 12.30 local time kickoff. And I went back and looked and they've only done that once this season. Oh, good, good spot. And that's what it is. Good spot, yeah. Because I was like, why is this so weird? Why does this look so weird? And I, it's, you're used to seeing the Allianz Stadium under floodlights. Or like a nice Sunday afternoon, like a nice, yeah, like, like a late evening, like 6 p.m. kickoff yeah, in the winter. Exactly. But all, the floodlight, yeah. It's box, always floodlight. Office, yeah. What else do we need to talk about? Bundesliga? Uh, yeah, just very quickly, I would say Bundesliga, um, a standing result for Freiburg beating Hoffenheim. This game was great. Oh, that's a great result for them. Yeah, 4-3 uh, for Freiburg, who maintain pressure on the top four spots. They are in fourth. We're recording this ahead of Leipzig's game this evening away at Gladbach. We have to give a shout out to Köln as well because they're sick. And that's like, given what Köln have been through in recent seasons, that's an outstanding piece of coaching. Listen, We have to give the props there, don't we? Doubt Stefan Baumgart at your fucking power. Who would though? Who would? When As soon as Stefan Baumgart rocked up in a flat cap, I was just like, <laughs> it's done. shit is going down. It's done. When he was at Paderborn, he used to dress like he was a one day cricketer. <laughs> He looked like he was in like the IPL 2020 or something like that. <laughs> Got dressed in the club shop. <laughs> it, but it was just this really weird, it was like, is this a bowl? Is this a bowling shirt? Is this a one day cricket shirt? He's rocked up at Curl and he's wearing his Raver sponsored. Yes. The Raver polo shirt. The polo, the polo, the polo, polo shirt. Yeah. And he's had the flat cap on all season. Is it slight, engi- slight energy of like Formula One engineer in his downtime? The slight energy of Banger. like, yeah, it's a slight energy of that, you know, like. But what I love is he, he, he conveys so much um, authority. Like there are some coaches that have that aura of calm. His energy is like, I have this under control. Like I look at him and I'm like, this, does that make sense? Like you look at him and like, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, I think there are a lot of coaches around who 
whose outward kind of pro- yeah. projection of energy or intensity can sometimes mask quite a really smart tactical brain. Yeah. Baumgart's one of those yeah, people. Yeah, but, but Conte has that too. Like every detail is taken advantage. Yeah. That Baumgart side that he, that Paderborn side that he took up to the Bundesliga. They're a lovely team. They just didn't have, didn't have goals. Well, they had like a couple of their big players taken off them as soon as they went up. Yeah. And they just really struggled to score, like you mentioned a number of times. And the fact that they were even there, that is a very, like Paderborn is not a big club. Like, that's no disrespect, like but they're 15, not, like, they don't have the capacity. resources. Yeah, yeah. Moving to Köln, who, like Köln are a, are a big club. They're a very big club in Germany. And they've really struggled recently. There, there have been a few cases of this in Germany. Werder Bremen obviously going down, looks like they're going to bounce back. Schalke the same. Schalke, Tedesco had them in the Champions League quarterfinals a few years ago and they, then they went down. But you've seen how difficult it's been for Harris Fowl to come back up yeah. to the Bundesliga. A giant, like a Bundesliga giant. You have fucking Kaiserslautern who are huge. Going out of business potentially. And they're in the third division. Yeah, The Bundesliga takes a lot of shit because of the dominance of Bayern. But there are so many other clubs and stories further down. The Bundesliga, the Zweite Bundesliga, the Dritte Liga that are historically huge. It is not abnormal to see a side finish fifth one year in the Bundesliga and then like 11th, 12th, 13th, or go down actually. So I think for what Baumgart has done at Köln, that is- It's remarkable. It's a big, it's a big ranty- No, 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 I'm pro, glad. I wanted you, you know, to go in because- Hundes, Ryan Munich in the Bundesliga. the Bundesliga. But you know- <laughs> I'm glad you said that. It's really, yeah. it's really easy for people to throw shade at the Bundesliga because of the Bayern thing and just call it the Farmers League and the Bundesliga tax and all of this shit. And actually- I think that's why people still really, really enjoy the leagues. The, I mean, the, the, we've joked about this before, but the Zweite Bundesliga is just the fucking most chaotic league in the world. Sometimes I'm scared to check it for the blood pressure. <laughs> yeah, for some reason. I don't know why, but whenever I check the Zweite Bundesliga specifically, my phone battery starts draining at a quicker rate than it does when I check any other league. It's really weird. I don't know what's going on there. Um, but anyway, on that note, we should do a massive shout for Bochum. They're in 11th. They beat Dortmund at the Westfalen Stadion 4-3 in a derby that's a derby in the sense that everyone has to put derby in inverted commas. It's technically a, a Revere derby, but the traditional big Revere derby is Schalke Dortmund. Maybe that means it'll hurt a little less for Dortmund, who weren't great at all. Uh, two pen- well, Hattrick for Erling Holland, though. Two penalties and one that ricocheted off his shin. But the big thing about this game was the first start for 17-year-old Englishman, Jamie Bino Gittins, who was brilliant. And Marco Rosa had a great quote about him afterwards saying that um, he gives us something we are lacking sometimes. Where did he come from? Man City. Same path as uh, wow. Jaden Sancho. Yeah. Quick shout for uh, former Arsenal legend Takuma Asano. Two assists in this game. For Bochum. They were a team that was tipped to go down, actually, at the start of the they season. Were. So to, for them to be up there is so impressive. Yep. And a quick shout for Mainz, Bo Svensson's Mainz. Better call Bo. Hardly Bayern 3-1. Done problem hast. Done Rufemik and... I mean, Bayern, Bayern slightly with one, slightly yeah. with one foot, one foot on holiday, but still. Felix Magat wasn't happy about this at all after the game. How to coach Felix Magat. But there's always, that, there's always that frustration with coaches, isn't there, who've still got something to play for. With other teams they see perhaps mailing in. And I know I do have a lot of sympathy for that. I do. You know, trying to keep yourself safe and stay up with meager resources. Well, actually, no. I don't have meager resources. That's a, yeah, they don't. Yeah, they can't. They can't. If, if, any, if anyone can't really complain too much, it's probably, it's probably Hertha. Quick 
quick shout out. It was Oldford Derby as well on the weekend. Another one. It's been like three in the last five games. Celtic I think, moving, or six yeah, games. One or draw. Celtic moving a touch close to the title. But yeah, yeah, there's been a lot of lot of old firm. But there's always a lot. Yeah, there's yeah. always a lot of old firm. All right, should we get out of it? We're going to be recording Tuesday night after Villarreal Liverpool. Yes. And we'll also touch on some of the Monday night games in that. We'll be recording Wednesday night after Real Madrid, Manchester City. And then we'll be recording Friday morning to round up the Europa League semi, uh, the Europa League and the Conference League semi-final second leg. Do you know what? We said we're going to give them three stadios. We're giving them four. A quartet of stadios. Nobody asked for that. <laughs> four straight stadios. Four straight stadios. Have that. <laughs> uh, all right, let's get out of here. I hope everyone stays safe, staying well. Um, we'll be back, as we mentioned, probably too many times this week, but, you know, apologies. Make sure you check the ringer.com forward slash soccer and check the Stadio Outros plays on Spotify. Speaking of which, we are playing out on the Mrs. Misty version of Mellow Mellow. Right on. Mellow Mellow. Early summer vibes. Let's roll out to this one, Musa, and you can let everyone know if there's anything you want to add. I have nothing further. Just feeling mellow. With the weather heating up, man, you need, you need to heat up your takes. <laughs> oh, I can do that. Believe. Believe. Much love, everyone. We'll be back on Tuesday, very, very late indeed. See you then.